Welcome to the Grace South Bay Church Podcast, where we discuss sermons, theological ideas, and how to live for a story larger than ourselves. I'm Matt Cabot, an elder at Grace South Bay and host of the podcast. Today we continue our discussion in a series called Letters from John That You May Know. In a sermon titled Believing the Scene, Pastor Bob discusses what it means to be a child of God and how that changes the way we see ourselves and the world around us. We'll talk about that and more on today's podcast. We're in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 through chapter 3, verse 3. Glad you're with us. Let's dig in. Bob, how are we training ourselves to see God in a certain way? Well, so from the Christian perspective, if the world is created by God and we are created by God to show forth His glory, to have relationship with Him, to enjoy Him forever, then really we are always interacting with God. This Mm -hmm. is His world, and we're either, you know, denying Him, accepting Him, uh, distorting Him, um, and so we are, we are always crafting a narrative of who we are, uh, what we're about, what is our identity, right? We're telling our story, where we came from, where we're going, our value, our worth, our potential. And so God fits into that somehow, somehow or another, right? So, so it depends on, you know, how do we want to tell our story? And if, and if we're the center of the story and we're the stars or we're the victims, then God's going to play a part, right? But he's mm-hmm. not the, the creator, sustainer, redeemer, restorer of the story. So we are always uh, deciding who God is and always slightly uh, crafting his identity in, in our lives. We can't get away from it. Even if you deny God, you're still saying something about God. Mm-hmm. So the point is that, you know, we are being told uh, to be intentional about our vision, right? To, to recognize that we actually have some choice as to how we see God, right? That's what I really focus on. See, really look, this command from John, see what kind of love the, God ha- the Father has for us, right? That's, that's so essential to recognize that we have a choice and we are constantly deciding who we think God is. We need to be thoughtful about that. So you said in your sermon that all humans are born into the natural condition of shrinking from God and shame. How so? And how does shame hinder our relationship with our Heavenly Father? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, we, what we recognize, what we see in Scripture, and I think what all of us see in ourselves when we're honestly looking is that we fall short of righteousness. We fall short of uh, goodness. Um, we do not love... God uh, or the people or the world around us with all of our being. Um, in, in one sense, once we reach a, a certain way, a, a certain age, we realize we're never going to live up to these standards, even our own standards. And of course, these standards are colored by our culture around us, but nonetheless, they're still there. But beyond that, not only do we recognize that we fall short, but then we also have a sense that the world around us recognizes that, and that, and the world around us slash God is hostile towards us because we fail, right? Mm-hmm. So in some sense, we, we project our feelings of failure onto the world around us and onto God. And that might only be subconsciously, but it's, mm-hmm. it's there. Um, even a privileged child brought up in a household that, is, that only has positive reinforcement no matter what, that child comes to a place of recognizing they have, they have a sense that they, they lack something, and they fear being found out. This seems to be hardwired into all of us. 
Um, our eyes have been opened to our own failure, and, and we assume that um, there is a just hostility from the world surrounding us, right? The world justly condemns us, and God the Father is behind all of that, right? So mm. God the Father is justly condemning us because he is perfect and just. He is the exact opposite reflection of who we are in our failures and weaknesses. So that, that contrast only heightens our sense of shame, that we are fundamentally wrong. God's fundamentally right, and we are fundamentally wrong, and we are terrified of being found out. Hmm. So how can earthly fathers influence our conceptions of God our Father? So it it seems like um, parents, particularly fathers, were meant to be kind of the first line of defense against us running from our Creator, right? Hmm. So, So God comes to us and talks about Himself as Father, um, and that's perhaps archetypal, but so he gives us fathers as types of him uh, so that we could have a sense of who we are, being loved, adored, uh, shown mercy by our fathers, our earthly fathers, teaches us uh, who God the Father is and how God the Father uh, sees us. So our earthly fathers set the stage. And, and if we receive from our earthly fathers the message that we are not valuable, that we are failures, mm-hmm. disappointments, not objects of mercy, rather objects of wrath or indifference, we have a really hard time believing God feels any differently mm-hmm. than that, right? It just sort of sets the tone, right? It, it, it shapes our heart. Um, perhaps more than anyone else, our earthly fathers condition us to relate to God. And, you know, before this sounds awful for people who um, perhaps had bad fathers, abusive fathers, absent fathers, we know that God miraculously redeems and restores. So I don't, I don't want anyone listening thinking, well, I'm, I'm in trouble then, mm-hmm. right, because I didn't have the father that I needed to have. No, 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 God can interrupt those stories and, and, and those messages um, and, and, and sort of restore our sense of who we are before him. But we need to reflect on our experience with our earthly father. We, we need to be cognizant that our feelings about our earthly fathers do impact our feelings about God and, and, and our sense of value and worth. We need to be thoughtful about that. This letter from John uses the phrase child of God often. How does God calling us my son or my daughter change our life? What does it provide for us? I think it's meant to provide our, our ultimate identity, right? More than uh, skin color, gender, class, education, marital position, whether or not we're parents or, or how well our kids are doing, whether we are loved and celebrated by the world around us or not, we are part of God's family. We belong to the highest good. We belong to the creator and sustainer of the universe. Another way to think of it is, we are owned by God in the mm-hmm. sense that he, he owns us as his. He, he wants us. Mm-hmm. He enjoys us. He likes us. And, and perhaps we know the feeling of, of, of being accepted and wanted by someone powerful, by someone who you respect, mm-hmm. and how good that feels, right, to be affirmed that way. Well, that's what it means to be a, a, a son or daughter of God. Um, it means we're not junk, we're not meant to be thrown away. Amen. We're safe. We have a purpose and a future. We are not invisible nobodies. We are seen. 
We are seen by the, the, the highest and greatest good. And, and just for an example, this clearly mattered to Jesus. Right before he embarks on his public ministry, what happens? He gets baptized by John, and as he's coming up out of the water, the heavens tear open. And Jesus, mm-hmm. others didn't necessarily hear this, but we know for sure Jesus hears mm-hmm. God the Father affirm his identity, say, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. If Jesus needed to hear that, mm-hmm. right, of course we do. And if that was in, that was uh, able to propel Jesus into public ministry and facing down Satan in the wilderness, mm-hmm. right, in the, over the next 40 days, we, it's, of course, important to us, right? It, it, it is fundamental identity for who we are. We can't, we cannot belabor this point enough, mm-hmm. Right? Do we see what kind of love the Father has for us that we should be called children of God? And so we are. Like, so we could just sit on that verse all day. Right? Yeah. Do we really understand that he owns us as his through Jesus? He adopts us and makes us a part of his family. We are his beloved, and with us he is well pleased through Jesus. Like This, this changes how we think of ourselves, and how we operate and go through life. Hmm. This text says that when Jesus returns, we will be like him. How so? <laughs> wow, yeah, we can, we can do some speculating here, and I think that it's, um, it, it's a challenging question. And I think a lot of us want to know, right? We all have these questions about heaven and the, mm-hmm. the God's kingdom coming. Um, what we know for sure is that we will have a body like his, a glorified, mm-hmm. resurrected body, right? So we will be uniquely ourselves, but in this uh, physically perfected, glorified way. Uh, we will be sinless like him. Uh, we will have direct physical access to the Father like him. We will reign alongside with him, reign over the cosmos, um, right? We inherit the kingdom and rule with him. We will be united to the Godhead through him. Here's something crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Second Peter 1 talks about becoming partakers of the divine nature, huh. right? Mm-hmm. And so, and of course, we can go way off on this and get mm-hmm. heretical real fast. <laughs> you know, one of the ancient church fathers said, God became man that men might become God. Right. Now, that needs to be nuanced right. for it to not be heretical, but... Mm-hmm. But, you know, we talk about this, this eternal dance, this perichoresis between the mm-hmm. Father, Son, and Spirit, and there's this eternal dance of love and joy and mutual submission, and it's like, you know, it's like a square dance, and the circle's yeah. going to open, uh-huh. and we're going to get to partake in that. We're going to get to be partakers of that eternal dance of love. Mm-hmm. We're not, we are not, uh, we will not have the substance of God, right? We will remain creatures, but we will be invited into that innermost party, more so than angels, more so than any other created being, right? We are meant for that kind of joy and connection and intimacy. And it's when we talk about knowing God, like, Mm -hmm. we will know Him. We will know we are known by Him, but we will know Him in a way that that blows away uh, the best kind of intimacy that we can even imagine here. Uh, on earth right now. So knowing God is the best way to talk about what it will be like. That's what that's what's going to happen. Here's another way to look at it. What will it mean to become like Jesus? When you think about Jesus, even before he's resurrected, Jesus is comfortable in his skin, 
Hmm. He knows who he is. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> there isn't there isn't self doubt. There isn't um, anxiety. There, there isn't this psychological anxiety, right? We know Jesus does experience fear mm-hmm. as he's facing the cross, but he knows who he is, mm-hmm. and he knows he has direct access to the Father. He knows who loves him, and he loves him back. In fact, he's willing to give everything away for his Father's glory. He loves him so much. Imagine being so comfortable and at peace with yourself, so loved mm-hmm. that you can just give everything away, yeah. everything away about you, yeah. right? That's what it's going to be like to be Jesus, right? Talk about emotional health, mm-hmm, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's what it's going to be like to be completely comfortable, at rest, at peace, and filled with joy in your own skin. And it will be skin, right? Mm-hmm. We will be ourselves. Yeah. That's what, a, a, a taste of what it'll be like. So it's, a, it's an amazing and beautiful picture of, of the age to come, and it's hopeful. And I, and I want to ask you, how is that kind of hope transformative for, for us now? Yeah, what, is it, what does it mean for us now? How yeah. does it um, purify us now, right? How does it transform us now? And um, I think we all recognize that, that hope shapes and directs our affections, right? And, and what we sometimes... Um, what we do is we focus a little bit too much on what we know and on the intellect, and we think that if we just get our thinking right, then our choices and actions will follow. And um, what we're recognizing and relearning from what we hear in Scripture is really the heart is the seat of our choices, and it's not just our intellect, it's also our loves. Hmm. What do we love, right? What, what, where are our affections set, and that will really impact our choices and set the path and course of our lives. Uh, and so, of course, our intellect, the way our intellect uh, operates here, though, is that we recognize that as we are setting our hopes and affections on money or career or romance or success of our kids, and as we experience anxiety because of that or mm-hmm. Um, puffed up confidence because of these things, self-righteousness, then our intellect can come in and say, oh, wait a minute, you're hoping in the wrong things here. Remember, go back to, you will be made like Jesus. You are uh, going to be rescued by him, right? So again, look into that eternal hope that is yours through Jesus. So that's the way the intellect uh, can play a, a part here. But but ultimately, what we hope in is going to change our hearts. And so you know, we're talking about what we see, you know, like mm-hmm. looking forward to. And anyone who cycles recognizes, you You know, you ride bikes, what you recognize is sometimes you're tempted to, you're, you're going down a, a path in a particular direction, but you're tempted to look to your side one way or the other. You know, mm-hmm. there's something interesting there, or, um, or oftentimes when you're beginning, you're looking at what you don't want to hit, right? Mm. Okay, here's a tree in the middle, <laughs> or here's some broken, like, like don't, don't yeah. go over that. Don't hit that, right? But right. you're looking at it. And what you realize is actually your bike goes where you're looking. Hmm. So the idea is don't look at where you don't want to go. Look at where you do want to go. Hmm. And, right, and the body, the bike will follow. Right. And that's this idea of, of hope. Where our hopes are centered and focused, that's where our life, that's where our being is going. Right? It's just, just naturally going to happen that way. So where our eyes are set, yes. that's where we will go. Right, so that's that's why it's so important. That's why the, that's the second command here in the passage. Not just see now what kind of love uh, the Father has for us that we should be called children of God, but then see forward, look forward to being made fully like Jesus when He returns. 
Hope is transformative, but so is seeing God as He is. How, how is that transformative? You know, this is so, Matt. This is called the beatific beatific vision, and right? mm-hmm. this has been discussed by Christians for two thousand years. That, and many would say, this is the deepest longing of our hearts to be before God in His presence and able to look upon Him mm-hmm. as He is in His full ultimate beauty. And um, and all we can do is give some analogies and examples, like I did in the sermon, uh, in terms of being in the presence of people that we love and how that can actually make us look, begin to look like them, right? And, and we begin to take on some of their character. Or another way I like to talk about it, and I've mentioned this before, how I'm a visual guy and I love views, mm-hmm. and I can just be satisfied looking at something beautiful. Like, you know, in Napa Valley, for instance, mm-hmm. if you get a good view there, or in Tahoe, or on a beach, and and this satisfaction actually drowns out and pushes away other kinds of dissatisfactions mm-hmm. and anxieties. Um, but, but the idea being is it, it's hard for us to understand exactly what that will be, but to say, I will just be captivated by this image and view of my Creator, who is the highest good, right? He is the source of everything good. He He speaks, and the universe comes into existence, right? Like, we can't imagine yeah. what it will be like, and yet we're told that if we are in His presence without shame or fear, that is heaven. Right. The, the um, But for some, it may not be, right? Is there a chance that seeing God in His full beauty... Uh, might be terrifying to some? Uh, Absolutely, and that's what John says here, right? That there will be a shrinking back in shame, right? A running from God when he appears. And uh, there, yeah, there, what I think that that's the idea of training, training your eyes, right? If we train ourselves to see beauty, if we train ourselves to see sacrificial love rather than just wrath, I mean, God is both, right? You know, so... Wrath and anger is just the opposite side of love. I mean, it comes from the mm-hmm. same place. So if we're training our eyes to, to see sacrificial love, that's what we're going to see when we, when we meet God. But God is also just wrath. I mean, like, mm-hmm. he, he, is, he is anger uh, in, in a righteous and just way, right? That's God, too. Right. And, and if you have not been seeing God as a, a merciful Father who loves you through the death and sacrifice of his son Jesus, then when you see God, he's going to be beautiful, but it's a mm. terrifying beauty. Mm. It's, a, it's, a, it's a beauty that says, oh yeah, that's right, you can't have anything unholy around you. You can't have anything, any, any part of sin near you. That's beautiful, mm-hmm. and I don't belong. Hmm. Right, and that's going to be, and that's going to be terrifying. And I think that's what John is getting at there. So, it's are we training ourselves to recognize that though I am sinful, though hmm. I'm, though I'm filled with sin, I am cleansed in Jesus, and so I don't have to be afraid when God returns. Hmm. The series is called "That You May Know." Um, I'm wondering, can we know that we're children of God by our performance alone? Yeah. You know, and, and I say that straight up in the sermon, right? We cannot prove by performance that we are children of God. And um, I, that doesn't mean that we are without a potential of having assurance. I mean, assurance is a, is a doctrine that we embrace as possible. But as everything in the Christian life, this happens by faith and not by sight. Hmm. 
it, Matt, if we like, if we want to graph our lives, if we want to, if we want to put our lives on a spreadsheet every second, every thought, every word, every deed, mm-hmm. if we want to get granular, we can. And, and it's not going to turn out well for us, mm-hmm. for any of us, yeah. any day of our lives. We will be able to get granular enough to see enough unbelief and sin, no matter the progress we've had, that that should at least create doubt in us. Well, maybe, why didn't I know better than that? Why, mm-hmm. didn't I, why didn't I do differently there? Maybe I'm not God's child. So instead, what we do is we receive this good news that we are children of God, by faith, trusting his word that he sent his son to live and die for us on our behalf, that we might be adopted into his family. And his spirit lives in us and gives us that assurance that, yes, he is our Abba, Father. We can call upon him and trust him, right? But that's faith. That's not sight. And so, but, but here's the thing. When we receive it by faith, when we trust that we are actually a part of God's household, we actually then are going to perform a lot better, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, we can we can talk about like, all right, you know, like, do I really believe this? And that's and that's a helpful thing. It's a helpful diagnostic, right? Looking at performance can be a helpful diagnostic, but it can't be something that tells us our identity. That is indeed the, the gospel message, and it is preached every week at our church. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Matt. The title of the sermon is Believing the Scene. If you haven't listened to it yet, we would encourage you to do so. You can find all our sermons in this podcast on iTunes and Spotify and at our website at gracesouthbay.com. We'd love to have you join us for church as well. We meet every Sunday at 9 a.m. at Crossroads Bible Church in San Jose, California. Until next time, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening.